Society has put certain expectations on us around academic achievement, around failure, and that's causing a lot of misery and struggle when we're young. What can we do if we break free of those expectations? What does life look like for us? You can still welcome in traditional ways of being. I care deeply about living a life that's both enjoyable and fulfilling and bringing those two things together. Tiffany Philippou is all about changing perceptions. After spending the first chapter of her work life in the startup space, Tiffany decided to go freelance. She's the co-host of the wonderful and informative podcast, Is This Working?, which she hosts with her real-life bestie, Anna Codrerado. The podcast explores the messy parts of work, knowledge earned through experience and exploration by the pair. Tiffany writes a weekly newsletter, as well as working as a coach, But the reason I'm so excited to have her on the podcast at this point in time is that she's recently announced her first book deal. And when we got to speak, she had just handed in her manuscript. So basically getting to speak to the runner just after they finished the marathon. Welcome to Storyteller, a podcast about how and why we tell stories. I'm your host, Lisa Golden. Just a refresher, um, this podcast is a chance to hear from people all over the world, from all different fields. I'm of the opinion that everyone is a storyteller. And yeah, this has just been an opportunity to hear from all these brilliant people. And I'm going to speak a bit more to this later in the podcast. But, you know, both story and storyteller, meaning that you get to learn a bit more about the people who are making the things that you know and love. And I think that this podcast is here to feed your curiosity around that, to spark ideas in your own brain, to get you thinking about the stories that are being told all around you, um, whether that's about life or work or love, and then maybe even the stories that you yourself want to tell. So uh, to all the newbies and, and some of you oldies, please do subscribe to the podcast and just share it with anyone who you think will enjoy it. Um, it makes a huge difference getting those um, subscriptions and the ratings and reviews um but I also know it can be like a bit awkward and weird so if you share it with someone who you think would like it that would mean the world to me so I loved the conversation this week because it's kind of like a buffet I got to speak to Tiffany at such an exciting time in her journey and editing this conversation I kind of suddenly realized there were so many similarities between this conversation and the one that I had last week with Sam Finesse from Channel 12 which I did not pick up on the time they are completely different creatives in different fields but what I realized re-listening to this conversation was that Tiffany said something almost identical to what Sam said which was about this desire of telling stories that comes from like deep within the individual And that sometimes a story has to be told for an audience, but just as importantly, sometimes it has to be told for the teller. I wanted to speak to her um, since I started Storyteller, but I was kind of waiting for the right moment. You know, you kind of want to wait until someone's got like a reason for you to take up their time. Um, But, you know, when she announced that she, that this book deal was coming out, Unspoken, it's called Unspoken, One Person, What One Person's Death Taught Me About Life. And it covers the journey Tiffany has been on since her boyfriend's tragic death by suicide when they were living together in university. We discussed that in much more detail during our conversation, but I just wanted to add, like, knowing a small part of this new story that she is telling has just added so much context and texture to 
um, you know, the, the worldview that Tiffany was already bringing out into the world and how she's chosen to tell and share stories. So I'm just really grateful for this conversation because this is really one of those when I walked away just thinking, wow, like I I now re-appreciate, re-understand, re-can look at, at, at the stories that she's been sharing um, with fresh eyes and a new perspective. But enough of me, let's get on to the conversation with Tiffany. So, Tiffany, thank you for coming on Storyteller. I mean, you are sort of the quintessential, I'd say, multi-hyphenate. You've got so many arrows in your quiver, but would you consider yourself a storyteller? Absolutely, yes. I first used the word storyteller to describe myself when I first went freelance about three and a half years ago. And it's actually how all the writing began, because I began freelancing to consult startups on their brand and communication strategy. And I felt this urge to want to also, in parallel to that, tell stories from the front line of startup life. And I think on one of my early LinkedIn drafts, I called myself the startup storyteller or something like that. So what happened next was I started telling startup stories and then evolved into actually wanting to tell different types of stories. And that's how my career evolved to what it is now. And it's continuing to evolve. So it's, yeah, so on the one hand, it's, I'm, I'm fairly new to that description, but now it's something I hugely identify with and I just adore stories. I adore, adore storytelling and I'm really excited to talk to you more about it. Yeah, I think it's also it's, it's become a really handy term like in this. I mean, you a huge part of your work is talking about the sort of modern work culture and, and where it's moving towards. And I find storyteller does become this kind of handy catch all phrase because people aren't just writers anymore or aren't just one thing so storytelling people then do focus a lot more on like the intention behind what they're trying to communicate and storyteller is like quite a easy catch-all term for all of that so I wanted to start at is this working which is how I came across your work um initially which is your podcast and I you know you say focus on the messy parts of work and I just I was re-listening to some of the old episodes um in preparation for our conversation and I just thought some of it was relatively prophetic about what we were going into with the you know with the uh, the pandemic and how we how we are in this battle almost at the moment of like how we approach work and as you guys always say like there's no such thing as a work-life balance so could you tell us a bit about how the podcast started and like when you when you and Anna decided to start focusing on this or like why you picked it for a podcast topic I'm trying to think how long we've been doing the podcast for now it feels like maybe a couple of years um it was very much Anna and I have wanted to work together since we were 18 and I remember once we left school coming up with all sorts of ideas for businesses um and we've always just really wanted to collaborate and when we both became freelance Anna was very much Anna is someone I really look to for all things regarding work and life and how to design that. And she's someone who, as a journalist, does a lot of research and um, work around all the different people around productivity. And she has a lot of insights. So when she went freelance a bit before me, I found that I was sending her voice notes on WhatsApp a lot for guidance, essentially, because suddenly overnight you can do your working life and your day in a completely new way and we haven't really been taught how to work really we've been taught that we have to show up to work for the certain hours and do what we're told so when you suddenly have all that freedom it's it can be quite overwhelming but Anna and I together back and forth worked out 
how do we want to design our working lives? What are the challenges we face? And we had our own blank slate, which was which came to us because we both lost our jobs and went freelance. So one day, Anna, it was all Anna's idea. She was saying, I think other people would really benefit from these conversations. So I guess we brought together that desire to work together. Um, and we very much have a friendships first approach to the work that we do together. Um, and it's which is something I think I've talked about on the podcast before but we drew that together with the fact that we'd done all this thinking and um, work around how we work so we could shortcut it for other people by sharing it on the podcast and it really is one of my greatest joys and I cannot wait for our next season to be back it's it's so much fun and so that in itself is a reason enough to do it because it's just so enjoyable yeah I love it I love it so, I mean, you guys have covered so much in the podcast and, and, you know, around all these issues around work. Have you got like one lesson that stands out from you that you've learned from the podcast, whether that's like burnout or imposter syndrome or, you know, self-confidence? Like there's so, there's so I, just, I wonder what the parallel journey is of like you're doing your own work while you're moving through these issues about modern work. Wow. So what's the one lesson that stood out that we've learned from doing the podcast? That is um, <laughs> just one. Um, <laughs> with regards to how to work well, what works best for me is to put my turn my phone off, concentrated work and do really short, intense bursts of work. And that is a real skill. And mm. we talk about it a lot on the podcast and how a lot of people are encouraged to work now especially since working from home especially with the rise of instant messaging like slack the the need for connection over zoom which I empathize with but very the typical office work day is you're interrupted constantly while you're working and I now mm -hmm. structure my day in a way where I either have calls back to back or I have on and off really short bursts of working with the phone put away and I do nothing else. And that is unbelievably efficient. You can get so much done in 20 minutes to half an hour. Yeah. So if people are looking to like control burnout or, cause it's everyone, it's, it's can be so overwhelming when you have such a long to-do list and it's just really simple advice, but it's the one that I find makes my working life so much more manageable is simply that, attitude around focused and concentrated work mm. that's the first one I thought of on the top of my head that I'm sure there's plenty of other things yeah. that uh, have come up yeah it's actually interesting that you put that because I'm like I'm looking at the top of my browser and I have my tomato timer and I actually completely forgot but I think I got that off of you guys on the speaking about it on the podcast and I remember thinking so it's a is it pomodoro is that how you pronounce it yeah um the, that so it's like it, it breaks up your work into 25 minute things and I remember thinking like I mean it kind of makes you think of like that Pavlovian dog like oh this little beep's gonna go and I'm gonna work and actually I use it quite often like it really helps me you pop it on and all it literally does is beep after 25 minutes but it, it does it helps you like focus down could you maybe tell us a bit more about like how how you manage all these different facets of your working life like the podcasting the coaching freelancing sort of how do you manage all those different aspects of your work yeah well with regards to the practicalities of doing so many things um that's that concentrated work and being efficient is really important but for me even though what I do has a has a little list as you said writer coach consultant 
there is one thread that ties everything together for me and I'm very clear on what that is and it's interesting what you said about the beginning about storytelling which is very much about the how of communication and for me all the work I do is centered around one concept which is the idea of challenging perceptions and just pushing us along to think a little bit differently about things and upending certain narratives or expectations put on ourselves put on us either by societal views or on ourselves and this is a really important thing for me um, because I believe it can almost it can set you free you can you break free of these things it can set you free and you can have a better life so I'm really dedicated to all my work coming into that that thread I love this I I I need this I think sometimes more in my life this call to step back to rethink to unpick to to look at things again it's really interesting and and refreshing way of approaching you know things that are maybe holding you back in your life or things that aren't that that you're a bit uncomfortable with um i i really i thought it was a really um it was really interesting to see how she's framed that as her approach so um next up i asked tiffany a bit more about where she learned that approach from where this view of the world came from and how that understanding of of story flowed into her newsletter and her work as a coach So I've always worked in startups for about 10 years. And ever since the first startup I worked at, I would tell people, oh, I work for this company that does this thing. And people would say, oh, it won't work for all these different reasons. And so I spent most of my career always having to explain things to people. And then five years later or something, once the startup's successful, people had heard of it. No one's questioning it anymore. So I worked in a company that was more like a high-end Airbnb. And in the early days of Airbnb, people thought no one would ever rent their homes out. That's wild. Whereas now we can't imagine a world without it. So mm. I very much came from that world. So that was the kind of, you know, that kind of challenging the status quo, coming up with new things. But with regards to when this all solidified for me was when I started working on my book, which I've just um, drafted. And writing the intro like what is this all about why do I feel because storytelling is so emotive uh, the desire to tell stories and the desire to tell certain stories really comes from within and I was wondering why do I have such a strong urge to tell the story that is the subject of my memoir and it became clear to me so my memoir covers a decade of 20 to 30 that this really was a story about how Society has put certain expectations on us around academic achievement, around failure, and that's causing a lot of misery and struggle when we're young. So I wanted to explore some of those ideas. And again, as I said, what can we do if we break free of those expectations? What does life look like for us? And it can be, you can still welcome in traditional ways of being but it's just about having an awareness of what we've been ingrained and then we can move forward with a life that serves us um I care deeply about living a life that's both enjoyable and fulfilling and bringing those two things together you can Hmm. do that so when I when I coach people people believe that good work like work that does good has to be hard or punishing And I don't believe that. So let's break that down. How can I contribute to society or contribute to the world in a way that's authentic to me and have an enjoyable, wonderful time doing it? Maybe I believe Mm. those things can coexist. And so that's another example of unlocking the beliefs that hold us back. 
Yeah, yeah. I think that's really powerful. And I think it's very, it's very much in this time. Like, I, I feel like there's definitely a wave pushing through. Like, you've had um, people like Anne Helen Peterson on the on the podcast. And I think there is, I think the, the pandemic is bringing about this sort of, I think having everyone having their lives so interrupted, a lot of people are kind of turning around and going like, wait, what, how, how are we doing things? And does this work for us? And does, does, does this relentlessness of life, is it that necessary? Can you just tell us a bit about the newsletter? And again, like how that weaves into um, your, your oeuvre? Absolutely. So the newsletter, which I call the TIFF Weekly, for very practical reasons around, I wanted to just get on with it and not spend too long thinking of a title. Uh, I didn't know what it was going to be. So I'm still fairly new to writing. And I wanted to, I wanted to play in a public arena. So I actually did it. And I wanted to hold myself accountable. So I started it weekly. So, and again, I, I thought, what is the thread that ties this together that what are the subjects I want to write about every week and for me I don't always necessarily achieve it but I seek to explore a counter narrative every week and that can be anything from I feel guilty for watching my weight or watching lots of tv keeps me productive and I'm constantly seeking to Think about what's happening in my daily life and what life lessons are there that might be helpful to people. Because again, coming back to why do I seek to challenge perceptions? Why am I interested in counter narratives? Because actually when you share the counter narratives or a different perspective, sure, a lot of people won't agree, but then there'll be a lot of people who experienced what I experienced and feel seen and heard and feel less isolated in perhaps some of the pain they're experiencing or the dilemma we're having. So we might be, you know, just to take the weight example again, we might feel guilty for watching our weight. So maybe I don't solve problems. I just ask the questions and I just say, well, that's what's happening in my mind. If it's happening in your mind, maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think um, we have a, a mutual friend in Nicholas Lawson from the single supplement. And I, I had, I had her on the podcast and I asked her, um, about the this vulnerability with writing because I think in this age of newsletters it is an interesting dynamic because it is so powerful to read the thought processes and vulnerabilities and strengths and all these wonderful things from these people that you admire but I wonder from your side do you ever have days when like do you feel quite vulnerable out in the world or does it feel like more empowering? For sure it's definitely it's definitely always scary to share intimate details from your life but also from your brain especially because your thinking develops and changes so there are some newsletters I've written that I'd no longer feel that way or I no longer do that thing whereas it's stuck in time so it's definitely challenging from that perspective but Nicola and I and we do life writing classes together and we always say that vulnerability really is a practice. Like once you start doing it, you get more comfortable with it. And I've been really fortunate in the sense that I haven't had anyone come back at me and hurt, hurt me essentially, which is our fear of being vulnerable. We don't want to be hurt. I've had people um, discuss what I've said and not agree with me, which is which is fine, but no one mm -hmm. has challenged when I've been vulnerable. And, and as we 
no, you know, vulnerability is the key to connection and it's a way to connect with people. So I get so much fulfillment from me being vulnerable. Of course, when I hit send on the newsletter or whatever it might be, I'm nervous. <laughs> but the connection I get and the feedback I get from people makes it completely worth it. Yeah. I love that. I love that because I, I do think that that resonates a lot with me because I think these things aren't as powerful as people think they are and actually holding them close to you can give them so much more power than um, they really deserve. And I think also what, what like what you said though, I think there's a really powerful thing in changing your mind. I think the age that we're in with this like really strict, you know, black and white polarization thing, I think it's actually, I really admire people when they turn around and say, yeah, I wrote this thing like five years ago and I don't agree with it anymore. That's absolutely fine like we all grow and change and you know all the time so can you tell me then from there did the did the I'm, I'm, if I'm following the chron- chrono- chronology of it um you had the podcast then you started the newsletter and and then what pushed you towards coaching wonderful question coaching happened like most things have happened in my recent career where a little nudge or something has come and I've responded to it and jumped on it. So coaching is so much more on people's radars these days, I think, than maybe even a couple of years ago or a year ago. Um, I Anna messaged me over summer saying, I think you should be a coach. I thought, that's interesting. We, ha- we know a few coaches. We've had some coaches on the podcast. I find it a very inspirational and interesting skill set for someone to have to be a coach. And I also... I primarily am a writer, but it's, I'm actually quite a sociable person. So there was the opportunity to work with people if I became a coach. So I thought this is interesting. And then the next day we got an email in the inbox, someone saying, I love your podcast. Do you know any coaches? And I thought, Oh, hello. (laughs) Um, And a very good friend of mine is a coach. And I spoke to her, she's called Holiday Phillips. And she said, I think you'd make a great coach. So all these little threads came together. And then I spoke to Harriet Minter, who's a former podcast guest and a brilliant coach and journalist and broadcaster. And she gave me some advice, told me where to train, and then off I went. And it's been, and again, it fits so nicely into what I'm doing. It's all about dismantling narratives that are holding us back. And I work with people on changing their working lives so it can be they can reach their ambitions have their confidence to go for what they want but also enjoy the process because if you don't enjoy the process there's no point because there is no end destination and it's so fulfilling to watch people go go on that journey and transform their working lives and I find that that it, it it's a really great way to because you also if you improve if I work with someone who's a manager and and they they are less stressed and they work in a better way and they're happier with their work that trickles down and that's nicer for the people who have to work underneath them so I find it really exciting what we can do again if we challenge perceptions if we explore counter narratives if we think differently and challenge ourselves and the impact that can have on ourselves and then also the people around us. We are going to dive now into Tiffany's book. And just again to say, we are going to be talking about death by suicide. So it's always really important when we do discuss this topic to say that if you're listening to this and you or anyone you know may need some help or someone to talk to, they are 
great resources out there for you so very quickly if you're in the uk the samaritans you can call them they're on 116123 and if you're in the us you have the national suicide prevention hotline the number is 1-800-273-8255 and i'm going to link uh, to both of those in the show notes if you need them so just to say that those resources um, are there for, for anyone listening if they need them If we can move on to the book, because I think I'm, I'm just so interested to hear more about the book and, and hear about how you're feeling about having handed in your manuscript. Can you just tell me a bit about the about Unspoken and, and how you came to write it? Absolutely. So the book is my the most important part of all the work that I do. It's been two years plus, more than that, in the making. As with all my stories, it came along by accident. Um but it really connects everything I do and really connects me with my my why, essentially. Why am I doing all of this? What's going on? And so the book is about when I was 20 years old, my boyfriend killed himself. And I spent the next decade deep in shame and isolation. There's so much stigma around suicide. I still feel it. Like I don't, with regards to your question around vulnerability, if I meet people, I don't want to tell them what my book is about. I don't mind telling you and I don't mind telling the listeners. But if I if I meet someone, I don't want to tell them that. There's so much stigma and there's so much shame. And that really clouded a lot of my experience of life. And I just don't want anyone else to feel like that. And if I can at least say, this happened to me, <laughs> Um I think I just hope it brings comfort to people but it's mm. about more than that it's more using the lens of suicide the shame to actually ask wider questions about societal expectations narratives and how that's impacting our lives and to young people especially so it's not purely about suicide it's about it's blowing it out it's what has this taught me about how we live our lives and at one point in the book I actually identified with my boyfriend so he killed himself after finding out he'd failed university and reasons for suicide are very complicated and by all means I actually one of the things I've learned from writing the book is I will never know what happened or why it happened and I have to learn to live with that um, and accept that but at the same time I, when I got fired from my job the it, it, the shame, the catastrophe, how awful that failure felt. I felt a connection with regards to how people treat you and how it all felt. And and, and, I, and again, I just sort of began exploring and asking questions around, what does this all mean? Like, what 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 is the world we live in? Like, what yeah. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Let's let's like explore it and let's challenge it. So, so yeah. So the book really is almost like my uh, the first exploration into all of this and. It's been an absolute uh, joy to write it. And I really hope that it brings people comfort, but also just, again, like with all my work, no answers, no solutions yeah. necessarily, but it's all about not not feeling so alone. And I, and I wish I'd had that book when I was younger. Um, and I always say to myself, you know, again, um, we talked about you like, you know, if, if, if no one buys it no one reads it people think it's rubbish <laughs> I'm like well if, if if a few people read it and, and literally yeah. like or even one and it feels a tiny 
less alone, then it would have all been worth it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, um, as much as you're comfortable, like when you say the the shame, do you do you mean like feeling like you couldn't talk about it or um, not understanding? Was it was it one of those things? I guess because culturally it's dealt dealt with in like such different contexts, and I guess in the Western context there's still a lot of silence around um, suicide. I've also lost friends to suicide, so I can empathize with you on that. Um, so when you say shame, was that just the feeling that you couldn't really you didn't feel like you could talk to anyone about it or? Yeah, I didn't talk about it for about 10 years. I mm. edited my life and how I told stories to naturally just edit him out. Mm. It was like he never existed when I spoke to people, even though the reality of my existence is I would say that I thought about it every hour minimum. So I was spending years thinking about this thing and there was a disconnect between my internal world and my external world. And I didn't give anyone the chance to respond well, but it really was, it, it was so much shame because we lived together. How could you not have known? Okay. How could you not? And, and, and again, I explore all those. It's, it's a really confronting, um, my agent was saying it's actually quite uncomfortable at times, but I really, I don't, I don't shy away from those sorts of questions. Mm. Like, how could you not have known? And, you know, we did have, we did have people at the funeral sort of like friends turn away from me. And, and there were things that reactions from people that, that I felt and it was extremely isolating, but at the same time, I didn't give anyone the chance to, mm. to, to respond well if I spoke about it. So again, that shame, as you said, as exactly as you said earlier, um, you, you you empower it by silencing it. You don't give anyone the chance. And now I'm doing the opposite. I've got a megaphone on the straw, <laughs> standing mm. on the rooftops and I'm saying, hey, everyone, this thing happened to me. And it's amazing, like the connection you have with people. Like if you speak to shame, you don't give it its power. And it's kind of amazing because it really is it's a life-defining thing to happen to me and I don't yeah. believe you can really know me without knowing that happened to me and now everyone knows it's great um yeah. and yeah. I feel more free and comfortable and it's just so yeah so that's how and and most of society's ills or individual ills whether it's addiction or whatever it might be or even someone who's like not nice a lot of it just comes from shame and holding shame and not knowing how to manage your shame. So um, a friend of mine is thinking about a book, a very different uh, story. But I said, this is also just, a, this is a story about shame. And shame is the driver of so much negativity. And the more we expose it, the more we can deal with it. And again, feel free, enjoy our lives, connect with people. Yeah, yeah. And have a better world well that's really powerful and like I highly commend you for that because I think I mean obviously I mean um again I, I yeah I also believe that like death and suicide is something that we need to speak more about and I understand um I mean I understand the human like side of it I get why it makes us uncomfortable but yeah I think that's really powerful because that that will be so many people's experience so I have no doubt that that will um resonate with lots of people so Bravo. It is. It's a huge thing. It is. Yeah. It's like you said, like standing on the rooftop, just being like, oh, I'm here. <laughs> like, it's kind of um, it's kind of like Pringles, though. Like once I pop, I can't stop. Like once I start talking <laughs> about it, I'm just like, it's crazy, which is interesting. Yeah, it's just a funny thing where I just um, once you, yeah, once you start standing on the rooftops and you confront your shame, you suddenly you get into it because it feels good to be vulnerable, as we discussed earlier. 
I just found that portion so powerful and and you know brave is a funny word brave sounds kind of patronizing and weird like oh my god they're so brave but what Tiffany's talking about here is she, she is being incredibly brave by stepping out and um I think maybe only as I'm getting a bit older I'm moving on in life I'm realizing how powerful it is when someone is willing to make themselves vulnerable because that's one person like she said she's going on the rooftops you know she's finding it and it's not a traumatizing thing she hasn't been like backed into a corner and forced to tell the story like she's coming into the story in her truth and her power and being vulnerable in such a powerful way that I just I have no doubt that that's going to have huge um ripple effects for for people who can read that story and see something in themselves and understand something about themselves and their experiences i just think it's such a powerful thing it's kind of like the magic of storyteller for me so um for our last little section i just wanted to ask tiffany how us regular joes could lean into some of the lessons and the knowledge that she has about life and work as we kind of start inching towards whatever the new normal is going to be Okay, so people are, let's say, people are looking at coming out of work now, end of lockdown. And like like we've been saying, people have had like these fundamental shifts in how they see work now. I think people who maybe weren't on like the freelance train, I think people who were moving into freelance were having these conversations more ahead of lockdown. But people who are now maybe looking at, I mean, heaven, please, <laughs> coming out of lockdown at some point this year. Um, what advice would you give to people who are maybe feeling really nervous about how work is going to play a role in their lives as they come out of lockdown absolutely so the key to well, everything really is to start with self-awareness so explore what you need what's worked for you what hasn't and then again explore certain narratives you might be holding about yourself or your work so one of the key with regards to the question you asked at the beginning what's one of the key things I've learned through the podcast um the key to productivity is rest and we hmm. often don't <laughs> sit with that for a bit. Um, it really is like the, I'm productive because when I'm tired, I go to bed or I have a nap or I rest. And because we try and power through and sometimes we try and power through because we might be having a mental health struggle. Um, this is extremely challenging times we live in. And again, instead of just stopping and giving ourselves what we need because nothing matters at the end of the day really than how we feel or how we experience the world in our heads. So that has to be our priority. Um, but instead of doing that, we fight against it and and then we cause ourselves further harm and trouble. So what I would say is explore what are those beliefs you have and what are those narratives you hold on to about how work should be and how you should feel with regards to work and just begin to dismantle it and rebuild the beauty of rebuilding is you can design and start from scratch and create something that works for you and as well as self-awareness being the key to solving all our problems the other side is communication mm. so <laughs> so simple but so hard so That's once so you <laughs> once you are once you are able to work out what you need you can communicate it with those that you work with and find ways to work together to develop a working life and situation and processes that work for both of you because no one's going to mind if you say actually you know what I need to take some time out now because when I come back I'll be better instead of powering through lashing out losing perspective being whatever so so 
I do. I imagine it is quite scary for people. This uncertainty. I know it's scary for people. This uncertainty that we're living with, and especially it's been hugely challenging for people who miss their colleagues and miss going to the office and miss that social side of work, which is a beautiful reason to love going to work. I love working with my friend. So <laughs> I really feel. I really, really feel for people. So, um, but yeah, let's let's use it as an opportunity to rebuild rather than just going back into old habits. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I know it's so it's frustratingly simple, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's it is always just I guess about like I um I had a, my friend's mum always used to say um that you have to just keep relearning the lessons. There's an old proverb. I'm gonna mess this up now, but it, you know she they were like the the universe will just keep throwing pebbles at you. Have do you know that one? It's like it will throw grains of sand at you, and if you don't learn the lesson, it'll start throwing pebbles at you. If you don't learn the lesson, it'll start throwing rocks at you, and eventually it'll hit you with a boulder until you like learn the lesson. So I love that. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, yeah. So for finding, um, I had just written, I'd written a little note from your from your last uh, newsletter, which was 2021 goals is peaceful vibes in the soul, which I really liked. I also didn't do New Year's resolutions this year, as it just seemed um, it didn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> so yeah, how are you feeling about? The rest of the year and um can you just tell us a bit more about where we can find you and your book when it does come out it's coming out in september right yes so unspoken um what one person's death taught me about life is out in september you can find me at tiffanyphilippu.com and that has details about my coaching and my beliefs around that as well as the consulting and all the summary of my favorite writing pieces and I have my weekly newsletter, The Tiff Weekly, which is um, on Substack at tiffanyphilippu.substack.com. And on both Twitter and Instagram, I'm on at tiffphilippu. And I adore posting Instagram stories from my small life in lockdown in Holloway. Um, And I feel really, I feel nervous about this year, but very excited at the same time. It's going to be a challenging time for everybody with regards to what's coming for us. But with regards to work and the work that I do, I also have the perfect job for these times. So I feel very grateful for that. And I just love having conversations like these. So thank you so much for having me on. And yeah, it's always a work in progress, always. Thanks again to Tiffany. All of that is linked in the show notes. If you um, want to just, however it works in your app, scroll up, scroll to the side, wherever the show notes are, you can just click straight through if that is easier for you to do. For reflections this week, I this podcast, I just was not expecting it to pair so much with last week's conversation with Sam. They didn't exist in the same universe in my head for whatever reason. I just hadn't really linked them. And weirdly, in my life, the way they've showed up in my life, they've kind of weirdly collided. Um, So I just wanted to tell you a bit about, I mentioned in the podcast, this thing called the Pomodoro Technique. I hope I'm saying that right. Apologies if I'm not. It's so simple to the point of it actually being quite dumb. But you just set this little timer for 25 minutes and then you have a five minute break. I don't know why. I'm the master procrastinator. I've been, you know, the last couple of months, I'm oh gosh, like everyone, you know, we have your ups and your downs on this um, lockdown roller coaster. 
And I mean, kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm on the up again. It's, it's been good. And I sort of dusted off this little tomato timer and I'm getting so much done and it's, it is stupid how efficient it is. So I just wanted to, um, remind everyone that I'll, I'll link to that as well in the show notes, just give it a bash. And then this is where it links with Sam is as a part of this creative quest, the theme this month is movement. So I've been moving my body a lot more and like trying to move my body in ways. What's interesting is I guess during lockdown, movement of your body has for me at least become either like exercise or like preventative stretching. There's not a lot of movement that isn't on some level, um, how do I put it, like worthy. Like it's like either I'm trying to be fit or I'm trying to stretch so that I don't, my body doesn't atrophy. And being as a part of this um, quest has kind of encouraged me to move my body in like fun ways and ways that aren't like I'm not secretly hoping that it'll like help me lose weight or something like that in the background, like just moving for the joy of it. And a part of that has just been dancing. I did something called a Gaga, not Lady Gaga, it's it's Gaga dance school. You should check it out. It is wild and strange and I'm really enjoying it. Um, So to bring the two together, I've been doing my little Pomodoro 25 minutes of bursts of concentrated work. This is the first time in actual months that I'm going to finish the podcast before like midnight on Wednesday night. Um, thanks to the Pomodoro technique. And then in my five minute breaks, I haven't been picking up my phone. I haven't been going on TikTok. I haven't been going on Instagram. I've been having little dance parties. Um, so yeah, the sponsor of the podcast this week are five minute dance parties, which, um, have helped me so much. So, um, I wanted to sort of set an intention a bit more this year of like being a bit more clear what the takeaways are from each podcast. I would think it was a bit, um, reticent to do it at the beginning because I didn't want it to be like this is how you become a better storyteller but I am I'm learning so much from doing this I hope you guys are learning too so I'm just going to try to be a little bit more explicit in like what the takeaway can be from each um episode so that's just for me this week uh dance parties and uh tomato timers amazing magic 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 stuff as usual, you can always email me your thoughts and questions. Be a little quiet on that front, guys. I love hearing from you. So please send me send me an email. Um, um, I get more messages on Instagram, which I love. And so you can find me on Twitter and social media. Twitter and social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Just t- search Storyteller and Lisa Golden because the handles are slightly different. So I think it's just easier just to search Storyteller, Lisa Golden. I'll pop up. Okay, gang, until next time.